One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman alongside Steve Harmison looking back at a chastening day for England. A heavy defeat at the hands of South Africa who have run out winners by an innings and 12 runs. Plenty to talk about but is there any reason to panic? Find out shortly here on the following on podcast. Well if you're listening to the show you no doubt know by now that England, uh, well, they started the day bowling and ended it batting. Uh, South Africa, 289 for seven at the start of play, a lead of 124. They lost Rabada early. Brilliant catch from Stuart Broad at mid-on. Uh, but that was as good as it got, really, for the day. Uh, Janssen out too shy of uh, what would have been a deserved 15. Norkia blazing away for 28. 161-run lead then for South Africa. Uh, and it proved to be decisive. An hour's play uh, available to the South Africans before the lunch break. They made it count, but not uh, in the manner that you'd expect. The wickets uh, not going the way of Norkia, Rabada, Ngidi, or even Janssen. It was uh, Keshef Maharaj who picked up the wickets of Zach Crawley on the sweep and Ollie Pope last ball before the lunch break. Uh, shortly after it, the game over, pretty much as a contest. Uh, Joe Root caught for six. And then the defining spell of the session. Onrik Norkia bowling uh, at around 94, 95 miles an hour, uh, taking three wickets in just 10 balls. Bairstow, after dazzling brightly, but uh, just for a short time for 18, caught behind. Alex Lees going the same way with Norkia going round the wicket. And uh, Ben Folkes airily wafting at one second ball. That was it, really. Uh, Stuart Broad and Ben Stokes thrashed around for a little bit, but uh, the writing was on the wall from that moment onwards. It was just a question of whether South Africa will bat again. They didn't. 149 all-out England uh, who lose by an innings and 12 runs. Uh, Right, let's get into the meat of this story. Story of the day. Okay, Harvey, well, you did predict it yesterday. Well, kind of predicted it. You thought England would be six down by the time they reached uh, South Africa's score. Well, they were 10 down and they were still 12 runs short. Um, But the warning signs were there for all to see. So it came to pass. There was no great escape this time. But 
look, it's not exactly panic stations, is it? No, it's not panic stations. I think we've seen England play four test matches and four play very, very well in four test matches in the large proportion of test matches to get themselves in a winning position and then their natural skill has getting them over the line. What we've got is a very, very talented team, right? And I think we've got a very, very talented team that play very naively. And I think they play naively in, in such a way that game situation, I don't think they understand what game situation is. I think we are possibly led naively as well. And that's a knock against Ben, but also one that I think because he's trying to set this platform up to this is the way we're going to try and play our cricket in a positive manner and take the positive um, outlook whenever we are in between decisions of, well, we take the positive, not the negative one. But sometimes in game situations, the positive outcome is to go, Nikita Rabada's bowling a lovely spell from the, the pavilion end. You've got to sit in here, guys. We've got to really negate this and get over this spell because that will lead to a positive outcome. I don't think we did that in this test match at all. I think there's times in the first four test matches this summer. Look, I, I think we could have been beaten in all four test matches this summer. And people will say that, that you know England could have been beaten in all four test matches, but they weren't. And I think we've got to take that positively. I think what we've got is, I think we've got to, we've gone from, when they say sort of, you know, the, you know, we've gone from one extreme to another. We have done that. And I think there are bumps in the road and this is a huge bump. I think there's time for one or two to to be looked at. Um, I think we looked a bit one-dimensional when it comes to our bowling. And that's not a knock against the guys that have been picked. And I think Zach Crawley, I think we have to look at the top of the order as well. But where and who comes in for that? So we come on to that in a minute. The bowling is where I want to go is we've now got to be careful. If we are going to go down the route of positivity we are going to blow teams away when we get them six down it seems that this group has been have got a game plan of when we get a team six down we're going to bowl bouncers we're going to be aggressive we're going to be in a fierce we're going to get at the, the bowlers you know who've got bat in the hand reality check we haven't got bowlers that can do that we haven't got them we haven't got them Broad Anderson can't bowl bouncers because of who they are or what they are. It's not in their nature. Potts is not a bouncer bowler. And we are going to break Ben Stokes. Said this last night. We got a little bit of sort of a little bit of um fallout off the back of what I said about Ben. And I look at it and I've and I've thought about what I said last night. I'm going to go even further. My best friend, Andrew Flintoff, 33 year old, had to retire for what Ben Stokes is doing now. And if that's not a reality to, uh, not uh, enough headline, enough of a big headline to say what is happening with Ben Stokes, that and just look at Andrew Flintoff, he had to retire at, at thirty-three. In the same same manner as what Ben's doing now with his bowling, and with on one leg at this moment in time. Now we can't afford to lose Ben Stokes. We just can't. You know, he's a he's a captain. I think we have all sort of warmed to and will produce for England and produce good wins for England as he has done so far this summer. But we won't if he if he isn't playing anymore. And I think that is the reality. Now, if we want to get this game plan, 
I've got no problem with the game plan. I really haven't. But pick bowlers that can do that. So if you're going to pick bowlers that can knock top of off and take 10 wickets by, you know, very, very good line and length bowling, then fine, stick to the game plan. Because there was an hour this morning. It's a good job I was listening to on the radio because I'm not sure my telly would have got away with what I would have been thrown at it by the time 12.45 come around. And that is the reality of, if you want to bowl bounces at six down, you can't play Broad, Anderson and Potts. If you want to knock the top top order over, if you want to knock the tail over the same way as you knock the top order over, which should be the plan, you can play Broad, Anderson and Potts. If you want to be aggressive to six from six down or six wickets down over, so eight, nine, 10, 11, go and find somebody to bowl fast and pick them in your team. Because at this minute in time, from a bowling point of view, we seem to get six down and we are fortunate if we knock them over for 50, the last four wickets. How many times have we been sitting, Pretoria, you know, Jasper Bummer and, and Mohammed Shami at Lords? These games, things like this cost us. At 200, 210 for six, we were still in the game and they got 300. That's what I mean. The you know, naivety of, of the situation of where we're playing. Positivity sometimes becomes reckless. Reckless sometimes, be, it's, I mean, it's out of control. Our bowling today was out of control. We had an hour with a new ball and a bloke who's got 600 wickets didn't have it in his hand. Na- naivety. We've got, we look frantic at the crease. Too many times we look frantic at the crease. We look all over the shot because we don't know whether to hit it. We don't know whether to defend it. Not defend it. That's not the right thing. We've got to hit it. Higisa Rabada and Amrit Nokia are fine, fine bowlers. And we're trying to hit them. Just absorb their spell. Take them in. They haven't played since March in a test match. Absorb their spell. Take them to the mid-session. And then cash in in the last session. That's test match cricket. A lot of people are talking about, a lot of people talking about now are talking about preparation. England preparation. That's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I'm sorry. You can't, you can't blame the 100 for the way England have played in this game. I'm sorry you can't. I think this, the, the decision-making, the thought processing and everything that went in England's baton so far over the course of the three days had nothing to do with the preparation. Came up against a fine bowling attack and they didn't know whether to stick or twist. And when we, what they did, they said, well, when they get into that position, we'll take the positive outcome. Well, the positive outcome backfired big time. England win the toss. They win the game, don't they? I mean, for all of the brilliance of the South African bowlers, and they were brilliant at times, for sure. Um, do you know they're the fastest, on average speed, the fastest bowling attack since uh, 2006, that's since records began. Um, so, you know, they 37% of... Every ball an England batter faced was over 87 miles an hour. Do you know what percentage England bowled that was over 87 miles an hour? I would say very little. 0.2. But they did have the best of the conditions, didn't they? I mean, that 30 (laughs) overs on day one, that was a a good toss to win. South Africa got ahead of the game. And then they played sensible cricket. They batted sensibly. 
limited batting team. Their strength is their bowlers, as Dean Elgar, the captain, said following the game. And that's true. And then once they got themselves into a sensible position, and they really did, uh, they they were smart. They targeted England when they were tiring in that last hour on day two. Um, but they did have the best of the conditions. And I just wonder whether we'd be, what we'd be saying right now if it had been England who'd won the toss. Because I, I don't think England lose inside three days if they win the toss. I think England win. Um, I wouldn't say England win because I think our batting frailties would still be the same. We'd bat the same way on a flat pitch, even though we would do on a on a pitch which was doing a bit. And I actually think the pitch did a bit. There was something in it for the for the bowlers throughout yeah. throughout the whole. Yeah, there was. There was, but then England bowled South Africa out for two hundred. You know. Yeah, but then England. If England bowled South Africa out for two hundred, we're talking about a very good cricket match, which I think South Africa would still win. Um, if you look at the way South Africa batted. Wasn't rocket science. We talk about we talk yeah, about. I, cri- I totally agree. I think the way they batted was sensible. They were a bit lucky in the first twenty overs, and they nearly threw it away during the, you know for, for at a period. They're not a great, you know, the South African team that you beat in two thousand and four oh five. I mean, and the one that came after it actually, the one in oh eight and the one in two thousand twelve. I mean, they they can't hold they can't hold a candle to that side in terms of the batting, but. What they did is they did what you said. They soaked up the pressure and then they 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 essentially, they accumulated runs, didn't they? They took their time going about it. But then England didn't have, as you say, it didn't have a bowler. They didn't have an archer or a wood. It would have been interesting if they did. But I still have the feeling that, you know, that was a really good toss to win for South Africa. And, uh, you know, OK, let me throw this back to you. Who wins this series? What's the, what's the score at the end of this series? I still think England win. I, that's I, I, that's I think... what I mean. Still I still think England win, but I think they'll have to. I'm not saying they'll have to learn from what that happened in this game, but I think I think this is where the coaches have got to come into it. This is where Brendan and or Collingwood and Marcus Truscothic have got to come into it and go. It's all well and good saying when we get to a fifty-fifty decision, we take the positive outcome, but the positive outcome isn't you've got to try and hit it for six or four. We looked frantic at the crease. We did. We looked frantic at the crease. We looked, and when you look frantic, you get the bowlers. If I'm if I'm bowling at any one of the England batsmen, I don't get tired because every single over, one of them does something to give me a burst of energy. I'm not going right six balls in an area. If I bowl at Dean Elgar, I know I'm not going to go for any runs. He's not going to punish me, but boy, he's going to grind me down. And by my sixth over, I'm going to be tired. If I'm at, if I'm bowling at Ollie Pope, I'm going one or two balls and over. I might beat the bat, and he's going to encourage me to get to the top of my mark. Oh, I feel great after that. I've, he's brought he's, he's just giving me a little bit of an injection. I'm not just saying Ollie Pope. I'm saying a lot of the England batsmen. And I think the fundamentals of Test match cricket from a ball is can you bowl your best ball for long enough to put the opposition batsman under pressure? And the batting side of it fundamentally is can I earn the right to score any runs. I thought Dean Elgar, um, Elvair, I think that's how you pronounce it, even Keegan Peterson, um, Marco Janssen, he earned the right to score runs. They got Broad Anderson. There was times yesterday when we talked about Stuart Broad. There was times yesterday where Broad, he looked. He looked his age. Now, there was times yesterday where England bowlers got ground down. And there will be talk of... 
straight away, Broden Anderson. Because England got beat. And always does come down to the bowlers. And there always is a bowler that tends to miss out when team selection comes next. But South Africa earned the right to score runs yesterday. You know, irrespective of England winning the toss. If England win the toss, Dean Elgar goes out there and he has to bat for 15, 20 overs. He doesn't score a run. He goes, he goes forward, he goes back, he tries to leave as many balls as he possibly can and he plays for his off stump. Sets a platform, earns the right to score runs, gets Anderson and Broad and pots into their second and their third spell and then their, their middle order cash in after, after tea. That's the fundamentals of test match cricket. England, England, England have lost 20 wickets before getting even, not even close to the second new ball. And that is because of the way the mindset, I think, is scrambled at this minute in time. I, I think they're trying to free people's minds up. They're trying to make it a comfortable environment, which is good. They're trying to get people to play with freedom. But unfortunately, at the minute, I think they're just words and I don't think the players fully understand what freedom is because at this minute in time, there's a lot of them with pressure on their shoulders and they're all there's a lot of them going, wow, we're in the cauldron in the middle when the crowd's on and the cameras are on and the media are looking over. So it's, not a very, it's not a very nice place to be when you're under pressure. And I think it's very, very easy to go, oh, take, the, take the positive option and just hit it. Well, you hit it if you're in the form like Joe Root and you, you get away with it. You hit it and you're in the form of Johnny Bairstow at the start of the summer and you get away with it. But when you haven't played for a little bit and you come back into this and the pressure's on and you've got a bone unit like South Africa where it's Nokia and Rabada and Ngidi, good luck, good luck. You're hitting yourself out of pressure when you're not, you're not quite sure and that's why we got frantic and that's how we got in the position we're in. I still think England win the Test Series. I still think England have got enough in the in their unit to win the Test Series. I think I don't see Rabada and Nokia and Ngidi getting through three back to back to back Test matches, and I think that's where I think that's where I think England will will come back and 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 play some better cricket, some smarter cricket in Test matches two and three. I've got a feeling Steve Harmer will play. Steve Harmer, Simon yeah. Harmer. You're, Harmer. You're Stephen Harmerson. <laughs> He's Simon Harmer. I just where did you play? Where did you play? That's the thing. I think we he plays all... at Old Trafford and yeah. maybe comes in for Ngidi, maybe. Or, But the, the thing is, though, having beaten England inside three days, those fast big fast bowlers are going to have five days off now. Absolutely. You know, they haven't played since March in a test match. So when they talk about preparation, England, hundreds, all this nonsense, it's, it's not. It's not. It's, not it's, it's nonsense. But don't blame preparation on this. England just didn't perform this week didn't perform this week. They performed brilliantly for four weeks before that. So give them a chance. But I think you have to understand and, and pick, pick. I'm not, I'm not slamming England. I'm not slamming England. I'm trying to find a way to work out how England went wrong this week. Naivety and stuff like that, that, I, that I've mentioned. I'm not going to slam them because I think they've come leaps and bounds under McCullum and Stokes. Leaps and bounds. But there are things that need looking at. Bowling bounces from six down over, four slips, four slips, trying to tell the world that we're being positive. And all of a sudden, hold on, just be a bit, just be a little bit smarter. Um, and you can still take the positive option that way. Um, I, I've got no doubt they'll, they'll bounce back, but I think Zach Crawley will probably miss out. And who comes in? 
you can't fit Harry Brook into that top order. OK, we'll talk about it in a second. Let's just hear from um, the two captains and also Onrik Norkia. First up, uh, Ben Stokes, who essentially just said it was a bad day at the office. South Africa, you know, over the three days, whenever they were batting or bowling, they just, you know, whatever we threw at them, they seemed to counteract that. Counteract that. So, you know, obviously got to give them a lot of credit. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it, was an, it was an off game for us, and that's absolutely fine. You know, something I'm not going to be... Um, throwing my toys out the pram, pram over, um, you know the, the message for me and, and Baz upstairs will be like, did we did we commit to the way that we committed to everything in the first four tests of the summer? Um, and if everyone can say yes, 100%, we just didn't execute what we wanted to do. Then you know things are good. We will move on to the next test match and and go out there and try and win. He's got a lot of credit in the bank, hasn't he, Stokes? We all we all admire him. We, he's undeniably the best man for the job. Um, okay, you can pick holes with some of those field selections. The fact that he took the ball himself rather than give it to Jimmy Anderson. And we're worried about his knee for sure. But four wins from four coming into this match. So it's going to be fascinating to see how England uh, come back from that. So uh, we shall see. Uh, Let's hear from Dean Elgar. Um, Of course, he he was delighted. But um, Neil Manthorpe was, uh, was sitting in the front row. And you won't be able to hear the question. It wasn't recorded or he didn't speak into a microphone, but essentially asked him two questions. Said to him his thoughts on the FTP, the fact that uh, obviously South Africa have been left high and dry. I think they've got two tests a summer for the next three years. Then the next following year, they don't play any. Which is ridiculous. Um, And then uh, also asked about the work that has gone on behind the scenes to get South Africa up to a position where they were so successful in this test match? Uh, to the second question, I haven't really... Um, I just know we're playing 28 tests in five years, which, yeah, I guess we could be playing more. It's a, it's a sad thing, but so be it. Um, yeah, I can't say too much about that because I might get into trouble. Um, yeah, a lot of homework goes into that. There's a lot of behind the scenes. Um, we've, got a, we've got a seriously good uh, coaching um, staff with a lot of experience and I don't think I get a lot of credit I've always been a massive fan of, of the group that uh, Boucher's um, added to, to our coaching um, staff yeah, and a lot of work goes behind the scenes um, and a lot of info gets past my side and it's up to me if I want to use it or not um, but I know they're doing it for the best they want, me to, they want me to do well they want me to make the right decisions for the side going forward and I'll be an idiot not to use that, that info that comes my way. So, yeah, it's not just solely me. It's, it's also them. It's, it's definitely not a Dean Elgar show, I can promise you that. Uh, there's a lot of great cricketing brains within our, within our backroom staff. And, yeah, they're great to have around. And, um, yeah, things work out. Cricket, sometimes you've got to take a gut feel. And uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And a lot of luck has to go on your side as well. But I think at that point in time when... You're doing those small things. You it, it's working out for you because you you're ahead of the game and um, you you almost get away with it more times than none. So when you're chasing the game, you're going to be a little bit more conservative and um, yeah, you're going to try and pull it back a little bit more. And you're not going to make those bold decisions. Um, so when you're ahead of the game, it maybe gives you a little bit more freedom for those decision making. So yeah, disappointment certainly from Dean Elgar. Twenty-eight tests over the next five years. What a what a scandal and a disgrace that our game is uh, and has head is, is just lead, is, is going this way. That's it. It's not even going this way. It, it is this way now. Um, Enric Norkia, 
he also spoke to the press and was asked, you know, does he derive much enjoyment about being able to bowl those 94, 95 mile an hour thunderbolts? Yeah, it's exciting. It's, um, it's obviously something I've wanted to do since I was a kid. And um, to be able to do it now, it's, it's hard work. It, you have to identify, you have to get yourself up at certain stages. Sometimes you think you bowl the ball and it just goes to the boundary or the right ball and it just goes to the boundary and then you have your captain there in your ear saying it's a good ball, keep going, keep going. So I think that helped me today at stages as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a nice feeling, but I don't try and look into it too much when I'm obviously playing. Uh, when I'm off the field, I try to sort of focus, train, train accordingly, but when I'm on the field, I just try and execute as much as possible. I do, I do, but um, it's, not a, it's not a focus of trying to go quicker or slower or whatever it might be, but um, it is nice to see when, when the rhythm is there, sometimes it feels like it's, it's a lot slower and uh, the speed gun says something different. Sometimes it feels faster and the speed gun says slower. So yeah, it's, uh, it's something I notice, but uh, I don't really pay too much attention to it. Onrik Norkia there. So, Hami, you know, you were a man who could bowl in and around 92, 93 miles an hour from good height. Um, but I also know that you hated the nickname GBH, didn't you? You didn't like Grievous Bodley Harmison. Um, but what was it like, you know? I mean, okay, you didn't actually have a, with the ball, a, br- a brilliant series against South Africa in 0405, despite the fact that England won it. But certainly had batsmen hopping around, didn't you? What was it like? when you, you know, you basically, you got them scared. And you can hurt them. It's very nice. I must admit, I'm not going to lie to you. It's very nice. Um, I didn't like the abbreviation. I didn't mind the the, the grievous bodily harmison as if it was said like that. I didn't like the GBH thing when it was in a headline in a newspaper. It just didn't look right. And I didn't think, one, that was right to be associated with me or it was right to be associated with cricket because I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to intimidate. I remember that series. I'm, I think, I think average. I think average something like seventy with a bat and seventy with a ball. Um, I couldn't get out with a bat and got runs. I think I got forty odd at Newlands when I'd had a few. I must admit we we had a big night the night before. We would we needed two hundred and fifty to make them back again. So you know we, we were never going to be. It wasn't exactly both of eighty one. So I think we were eight down when I came in. I think I got forty two. Played every shot in the book and. Didn't see many of them off Micaiah and everything went down to third man. So it was a, it got the Barmy Army going for half an hour. Um, and I remember playing, I did me cough, I think it was in the Wanderers. And it, it wasn't coming out very, very nice, but it was coming out quickly and hoggy and it's swinging around corners at the Wanderers got seven foot. And I was like bowling off about five steps. And all I was doing was bowling bounces because I was pushing them back, pushing them back. We got a bit lucky in that game, I remember. I think Graham Smith got hit in the head in warm-up and had to bat number seven. Uh, he had to come in number seven, number eight. So I was just sort of bowling bounces off a short run-up just to push them back to Hoggy. But it was it, there was a plan to it. There was a method to it. I love bowling quickly. And when it, there's not a better sight in the world when you see a mis- mystery spinner at work or a genuine fast bowler. I mean a proper fast bowler. Simon, Simon and Oggy were taking a mickey at me on Twitter a couple of days ago when I can't remember who hit it. Matt, was it Alex? Somebody, one of the Trent Rockets put it on the roof at Trent Bridge the other day. And I remember the game because Oggy put on. I remember a ball going a little bit further than that and then Simon put on. 
yeah, I can remember that, who was bowling. I couldn't stop laughing. I was coming back at Simon going, well, you can say nothing because you left us hanging high and dry. I was knackered and Brett Lee smashed it over the, literally over the stand. But, but, but what I'm, the point I'm making on that is a lot of, a lot of, I think I was listening to the radio this morning. It was about fast bowlers. I think Jonathan Agnew was talking about fast bowlers union in his day. He wouldn't bowl bounces at Sylvester Clark. And I'm going, not in my time. It was like, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't bring myself not to bowl bounces at Brett Lee. Brett Lee was the fast, one of the fastest along with Shoei Bakhtar. And it's like, there's, you, you go at them. You go at them because he's not going to exactly bowl half volleys at me. I'm not thinking I'm going to bowl half volleys at Brett Lee because he, he'll bowl. He, I don't want him to bowl bounces at me. Bowl quickly. If you bowl quickly, bowl aggressively and intimidate the opposition. Enric Nokia did that to England this this week. I'm having a conversation with Mark Wood in the winter and Mitchell Stark, and I said, Mark, if if you if you that green thing on top of Mitchell's head, if you hit it, it's not going to hit your back. It's not. It's not going to walk down a wicket and hit your back. That's what fast bowlers do. They intimidate the opposition. Um, and I, I think Enric Nokia is one of the best fast bowlers in the world because of that. He's very quiet, very unassuming, but somebody who is very, very aggressive and deadly when he's got ball in hand. Um, and people used to say to me, you're too nice to be a fast bowler. But when I got on the middle, somebody who's 22 yards away, uh, you know, they, they were a target. You're not meant to hurt somebody. You're there to intimidate. And I think Unric Nokia, Kigisa Rabada, two very, very intimidating fast bowlers. And boy, the ball well this Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine 
and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Moment of the day. Okay, well, there were plenty of moments today. Nokia's uh, reaction to dismissing Johnny Bairstow was uh, was certainly one of them. You know, we haven't even spoken about Keshef Maharaj. First bowler since Jim Laker in 1958 to take two wickets inside the first 15 overs of an innings mm-hmm. at Lords. What a stat from uh, Andy Zaltzman that was. Um, and, you know, you know, to show up Oli Pope's weakness against spin, averages 23 at test level, something Jared said a couple of years ago. Mm. When we were in South Africa and he was kind of laughed out. Well, you know, it, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, what else was there? Broad, of course, came in and smashed 18, I think, off of a Nokia over. Unbelievable catch as well. Oh, Broadley. that's right. He took a brilliant catch uh, to dismiss uh, Rabada. So, you know, I mean, Root getting out, um, that was a massive moment. But the big talking point, Zach Crawley, another dismissal. Another, um, look, it's not just pace bowlers he's getting out to. He got out to the spinner, didn't he? Bracewell, was it? He got out to it. Uh, yeah. Was it Bracewell? Or no, it was it was a Jadeja. Either way, uh, he got out, premeditated sweep, missed it by quite some distance, and off he, off he goes. So the school of thought goes like this. You've got the school of thought that says it's cruel for him to continue being in the side. School of thought that says he shouldn't have been in the side in the first place. Uh, so he shouldn't even be playing now. So that's the drop-in school of thought. Then there's the school of thought that, coming from England, is that Paul Collingwood, at the end of day one, said he's not there for his consistency. He's there to win matches every now and again. OK. Um, and then, of course, there's another op- There's another point. Who comes in? Because, all right, Harry Brook, possibly. but And he has opened for Yorkshire, I think, but not with any great success. I think I'm right in saying that. Essentially, square peg, round hole. And are we not just setting Brooke up to fail as well by doing that? Um, but where are you on the Zach Crawley debate? Should he play at Old Trafford? He's in the squad. No, no, I think, and I've defended Zach, and I love the kid a bit. I think he's a great lad, and he's he's got everything in his armory to be a very, very good Test match cricketer. I really do. Forget his numbers. I'm not bothered about his numbers. I'm looking at talent. Boy's got talent. There comes a time where you have to... There comes a time where you're being cruel. And I think at this minute in time, by saying... We, Paul Collingwood saying we, he, he's done them to be consistent. I don't agree with that. There's a few things me and Collie have disagreed over the years with, but I disagree with that because I think you... Consistency, I'm not wanting them to get hundreds every test match, but I'm wanting, as an opener, I want them to be in a position to make sure it's easier for people to come in. Yeah, you know, opening a baton is not opening a baton is one of the hardest things in in world sport against the you know, new ball, fine bowlers. And I think I think Zach probably needs to be taken out of the firing line. One thing I want to do with Zach is I want to plan to have him out of the firing line firing line to get him in a position to come back. This kid has got too much talent for to be just thrown on a scrap heap. There's many of them. Stoneman, come, gone. Robson, come, gone. Lithe, come, gone. They were 50-50, in my opinion, whether 
that were good enough to play test match cricket. I think this boy is good enough to play test match cricket. So I think we need to work out what we're going to do with him. Um, and if it is, he goes back and plays at Kent. If he goes and plays some franchise stuff, if he takes a complete break from the game, if England, my personal suggestion, I would sit, sit him down and talk to him and see where he's at, what what he thinks. that he's, You're not playing on next week. We're going to make a plan to sort of get some cricket inside you. So in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, if there's a, a vacancy opens again, that you're in a position to put your hat in the ring to come back in. Now, England will go to Pakistan in the winter. I, I, I don't think he goes there. Goes to New Zealand. Well, one school of thought but with the connections with McCullum would be to go and play cricket in New Zealand and play first-class cricket. He can go and get franchise money if he wants, but if he wants to be a proper test match cricketer, go to New Zealand, get away from the English media, get away from everybody talking Zach, 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 Zach. Go and enjoy life. You know, I don't know what his sort of his personal status is at the minute. But go and enjoy some life away from the camera, away from the scrutiny. Go and play some golf, play some first-class cricket, play some white ball cricket, and then put your hat back in the ring to come back and play cricket for England. I think this boy will score test match hundreds for England. But at this minute in time, I think we are cruel to to keep wheeling him out and saying, we're not bothered about his consistency, we're bothered about him winning cricket matches. I disagree with that. I think we have to look, we need to look after especially our young talent before we before they get to a point of no return. That might be getting close to a point of no return mentally um, when he always walks out with a slumped shoulders, head sort of down, crouched over, doubting what he's doing. I thought the shot today against Maharaj was a shot of somebody with a scrambled brain. He had no conviction whatsoever when he planted his front foot. Try to guide it. He didn't try and hit it. And he's a hitting. He's a hitting ball batsman. I just thought that was that for me was the time, time for him to come out of the, the firing line. Okay, so no Zach Crawley. Robinson is due for a recall, possibly Broad sitting out, but that still sets up the situation where the enforcer role is going to be taken by Ben Stokes. So if you were in charge, it would be Brooke opening with with Lee's. I take it. And who comes in then? What's your Anderson plays at Old Trafford? No chance him him not playing. Who is it then? Think, who who I makes Potts, who makes way and who comes in? Potts stays in. Look, they picked the squad, so there's there's nobody there's nobody out there that you think. Well, you, there's nobody that that that, are out, that is coming in. So their game plan Overton? is not. Overton is the same as is the Jamie, same as Robinson. Jamie Overton. Jamie Overton. That is. Well, Jamie Overton's not fit, is he? So if he was fit. He would be the natural one that you talk about the sort of enforcement role. Pierce through the air. I like the boy that plays for Lancashire, Luke Wood. Playing, the, he's playing for the Rockets, I think, in the hundred. I think he's got pierce. I think he's got a bit of aggression. Skiddy on a flat wicket, a Test wicket. Would he be as effective? Don't know. I'm not so sure. You know, he might be nice to face and nice to come on. Gleason. He's got pierce. No, I don't think I think the Gleason one, he doesn't play four day cricket. His body's not up to it. And the last thing you want is to pick somebody who you're not hundred percent sure on a left field pick has to has to at least bowl his overs. And he, he, there's a, there's an injury concern all the time with Gleason. Um Robinson probably plays for Broad. 
I don't see Overton fitting into it because um, Robinson's a better bowler and you're picking an out-and-out bowler. And if you start picking bowlers that can bat, we're going back to the 90s. We're going back to picking, we're picking two seamers, spin bowler, Mark Elam and Craig White. <laughs> Waste of time. We're not getting, we're not getting any, they were fine cricketers, but we're not, we're not, we're not getting very far with that. So we have to start looking for our, our next fast bowler if we want to play with a game plan that Ben wants to have, which is be very aggressive to teams six down. Because if not, Ben's going to do it and Ben's going to go from playing potentially 125 test matches to possibly not even making 100. So, and, and I am concerned for that lad's body because it looks as though he, he's hanging by a thread in two test matches, 10 days of intense cricket on two wickets, which will be good wickets, flat wickets. If he goes down, if he has the same game as what he's had in this game, which is bowl, what did he bowl? He bowled 18 overs and he bowled a lot of bouncers in them overs. You might not see Ben in Pakistan. You might not see Ben further down the line because I'd imagine if he has a break and somebody has a good look at that knee, i.e. start scanning it, we might be getting, you, you, you might be finding things that, 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 that could be that could be sort of detriment to further prolonging, you know, further down the line his career. So, I, I, England, not to panic. I I possibly would think I'd be tempted just to make one change and bring Harry Brook in if you could fit him into that top, or you go down the rocket Ben Duckett coming in and, and open the baton, who's done it, who does it before, but he's playing hundred cricket. So, to bring somebody back in, you. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't because whoever you want to bring in, you don't really want to put them under pressure. If you bring Duckett back after having a go, he's been playing 2020 cricket, 12, 15, 15 and a half over cricket, whatever it is. Brooke, you're bringing somebody in to bat somewhere. He's not normally batting. The school of thought would be then just to carry on with Crawley, but I think Crawley's that far gone now. I think you might have to take a gamble with somebody else. The bowling side, look, a bowler always gets dropped in these situations. Yeah. If England, England turned around and said, England turned around and said, we're going to pick the same bowling attack, I wouldn't have a problem with it. My only problem with that, my only problem with that is pick the same bowling side and then you potentially believe in Broad out for the last test match if he doesn't. And there could be, I don't know, but it is this Broad's last test series. Do they leave him out at Old Trafford to basically say, give everybody a wave, Stuart, and off you go at the Oval? We shall see. Tell you what, it almost feels like we're putting an old comfortable coat back on talking about England problems after those four tests. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, look, I still back England to win the series. You back England to win the series. And I tell you what, um, it set the series up nicely. Congratulations, South Africa. You wowed us with your pace. Um, And uh, let's hope for for much more of that. The second test gets underway on Thursday. I'll be heading up with Manners, um, the train striker course. So me and Manners will be uh, in a a small car tootling our way up to uh, to (laughs) Manchester. You'll be back with Manners for the Cricket Collective, which will be going out to Oxford 2 on Tuesday and be available here as a podcast on following on. Uh, but that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening.
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.